All right, here it is, my first line in my sermon here. Today could be my favorite topic to talk about. Now, those of you that know me, I say that often, and you're probably thinking, oh great, what is it? He loves to talk about everything in the Bible. But today, I get to brag about God. The most important topic to study, in fact, the most important topic to teach on, the most important topic to preach about, to think about, to engage our minds, is the topic of God. There is no greater topic to study in this world. The study of God. Our knowledge and understanding of sin. Our understanding of Christ and salvation and redemption. Our Christian walk and our reflection of our knowledge and understanding. All of this comes from our knowledge of God. Studying God is the most important thing to do. And tonight you get to brag about God. If God truly is very high and pure and holy, then sin is very serious. And man's condition is very serious. The more severe the understanding and the depth of sin, the more radical the cure must be. And people who kind of make light of sin is because they make light of their understanding of God. But if God is truly holy and great, sin is grave. And the remedy and cure that is needed must be radical. Which makes the cross so much more precious right thus easter is highly the main event that we celebrate in our calendar year our section in our series in james i kind of boil it down to this here sin gives a fleeting pleasure that takes us down a spiral spiritual defeat and we spent time talking about that last week so if you missed last week's message Go online. It's a very important message to understand the seriousness of sin. It takes us down a spiral spiritual defeat. While our good God gives us the perfect gift of new birth that lifts us to victory. So as your pastor, my greatest fear is this. Not that, oh, we've got we to cancel church because the power's all, there's a big storm like that. My greatest fear is this. That you would just come to a weekend service and play the part. Acting as though you just know about God without truly knowing Him. Because many people can act the part going, oh, I know God and I'm here. You play the part and know about God without truly knowing Him. Because out of knowing Him, of depth of knowing Him, comes trusting Him. And in the Bible, one comes to know God by seeing and experiencing His works. And we see that in the Old Testament. They came to know Him. Even the Egyptians came to know God by seeing and experiencing His works. Recognizing the nature and character of God is a big part of knowing God and partaking in the covenant relationship. And that's for us the beauty of the death of Jesus and His resurrection. We get to partake in that. 
And that's the first part of Romans chapter 6. So tonight, we get to study and just get a glimpse of something that's so wonderful. But before we do that, let's pray. God, before we get into the Word here, I just pray that tonight we would be able to think clearly. I know my mind is thinking about the outdoors. It's beautiful outside. My mind's thinking about other things. But I pray that tonight we would just take a moment to pause in our life and think about Your greatness and Your goodness. And help us to know that our true fulfillment is found in knowing You. Fulfillment is not found in marriage. Fulfillment is not found in prestige or positions or acquired wealth. True fulfillment is found in knowing You. And the only way we can know You, God, is through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Lord, at the end, help us maybe not to jump up and just say, praise God! But maybe that's what we need to do as we catch a glimpse of Your goodness. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so get your Bibles and let's go to James chapter 1. We're in James here again. James chapter 1. And what I want to do is kind of look at... We, 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 we looked at 13 through 15. And just this, again, this is such an important passage on this struggle of sin that we can have as Christians and some warnings and just, you know, where does this come from? And it comes from our own evil nature. And when we give into it, it can lead to entrapment like fishing, this bait, and you take the hook and you're snared and you're taken away, dragged away. And out of that, then sin gives birth to what? To death. And if we ended at verse 15, we would be in a bad situation. Praise God it doesn't end there. We have this section coming here. And now we're going to look at the positive side. So I'm just going to read 16 through 18. Then we're going to walk through this. Then we're going to get into some application of this. Don't be deceived. This is James chapter 1, verse 16. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through his through the word of truth, that we might be the first the kind of first fruits of all creation. So let's kind of work through this here. Let's start with verse sixteen. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. James is writing again to an audience who, at times, they've been taken away. They've been persecuted. They're living in poverty. They're they're struggling through some things. So James writes to ones who have the possibility of being deceived by their own desires, but also by their struggles of pain, turmoil, trials. That's the first part of James 1 there. And through this, They could, in their struggles with persecution and poverty, they could be trapped into thinking that God is truly not a good God. That's why in the first part of this section here, he says, don't ever say that when I'm tempted, oh God, you did this to me. Don't do that. 
They could be trapped into thinking that God is not truly a good God. And He's only being harsh on them. Don't be deceived that. Here's the warning of self-deception. He's saying, do not at any time be misled to be thinking that. Or don't allow yourselves to be deceived about God's goodness and about the source of temptations. Again, the source of temptation isn't from God. God is holy and good. It comes from our own evil desires. After tracing the human side of the cycle of sin, again, that was last week, James now turns to the divine side, looking, here it is, at the character of God. And I've said this the last couple of weeks, it's so important in your struggles, in your trials, even in your sin, to know the character of God. Cling to Him. Look at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God doesn't tempt you. Instead, God, what He's doing, He's actively providing everything that is good in life. Every good gift is truly from God. God is the source of everything good. Remember this. God is the source of everything good. People can have good traits, good qualities within them, good deeds. But honestly, goodness is truly not a part of our character. Why? Even though we were created good, God said He created, He made us, and it was good. Even though we were created good, we sinned and we truly are tainted. Our goodness and any goodness that's on this planet comes from God because He is good. It's interesting to note that there's many attributes of God. God is holy. God is love. He's just. He's wrath. He's, he's all these things. Omnipotent. All these attributes of God. One of the most frequent mess, uh, one of the most frequent attributes of God is He is good and His goodness. God's very essence, His nature is inherently good. He's God. He is good. He is the foundation of goodness and of everything good. He did not acquire it from some other source. When we do good things, we get it from the goodness of God because we are sinners. God's goodness, though, is also closely connected to divine justice. And it's important. When you look at attributes of God, it's never, just, it's never good just to pull one out and keep it by itself because they're so connected to each other. And His goodness is also connected to His justice. So punishing evil is intrinsic to what it means for God to be good and just. It is good to get rid of evil, right? It is. That's why it's good we have the law enforcement around us to get rid of evil. Put them in jail. God's goodness is closely connected to His divine justice. God gives, look at this, God gives good and perfect gifts to His people. Here it is. God is 
always good. And we're going to get, when we get to application, I'm going to be pounding this so we remember this. God is always good. God reveals His goodness, His benevolence to creation, to all people in a variety of ways. In fact, He reveals His goodness seen in Matthew chapter 5, 45. Jesus says, He gives rain to both the just and the unjust. So God's goodness is poured upon all mankind in a benevolent way. But also He has a special love for His people. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34 is one of my favorites. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And often in the Psalms, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Let's look at the rest of this section here. Verse 17. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So the source of all this goodness comes from above, James is saying. It's coming down from above. Everything that we have good in life is actually not earthly. Even though there's many things in Wisconsin we love about Wisconsin, and there's so many things we see, it doesn't really come from the earth. All goodness comes from God. It has a heavenly origin. It comes from our Father in heaven. So the, sur- the source is further seen in the Father of the heavenly lights. God is the Lord of creation. He is the Father of the universe, the great Creator, seen in His giving good character that He made great heavenly lights. The sun, the stars, the moon. And we see this in Job 38, Psalm 136. He gave us these things and truly we love them. Let me give you an example. A couple days ago, it was just cold, rainy compared to today. How many enjoyed today? Everyone is like, yes. We love when that sun comes out. We love when it shines. Okay, when it's 100 and some degrees. You know, when I was in Africa and it was 100 and some degrees, I was like, okay, maybe this is too much. We love the Son. And here He's saying, look, He's even given us the good things. God does not change. He's always good. Here now, James is saying, He's always good, but also God does not change. Our God is not like His creation. That, look at this, does not change like shifting shadows. Here James is showing the contrast between the continually shifting of lights. Shadows are always moving. The sky compared to, in contrast, the unchangeable God. God's character never changes. Malachi 3.6, the Lord says this, I, the Lord, do not change. God is always good. He's the source of goodness, and God does not change. He can be counted on. He can be counted on to be in charge of the world. He is trustworthy and reliable. And one thing that does not change is His giving nature. We know some people who like to give so that they can be important. 
Or they give, and when all their resources are done, they're done giving. But God does not change in His giving nature. Let's look at verse 18 now. He chose to give us birth through the Word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. And at first I'm like, okay, what is he just talking about salvation here? Okay, this is important here. This good and unchanging God is the source of good gifts. And that's what James is pounding. Know the character of God. He is good. He is unchanging. And the greatest gift being salvation. Of all the things He's given us, the great thing, life that we have, we breathe, we have families, all the things around us, the greatest thing is what? Salvation. We are so blessed. The greatest gift that we could ever know is the gift of salvation. For me, I think in my life, what are some of the great moments in my life when I graduated high school? In fact, when I graduated high school, my mom yelled out from the audience, it's a miracle! Yeah, it was a miracle. I thought that was pretty awesome. I graduated high school. When I got married, whoa, what a gift. My firstborn, the second, third, and fourth. Oh, those of your parents know the joy of that day. The greatest gift that we can have is salvation. And the way we receive this is, take a look here, the word of truth. And this is a description of the gospel message. Listen to this out of Ephesians chapter 1.13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So out of this great word, we are able to understand the message of this great salvation. And the result is this new birth. That we become, and take a look at this, it says, a kind of first fruits for all He created. Now in the Old Testament system, whenever there was harvest, they were planting their stuff, and was ready to harvest, right before the main harvest, what they would do is they would take a portion of the first fruits, oh, it's ripe, it's coming, like a day before the harvest, or right before harvest, they would take the first fruits, and they wouldn't have a big feast for themselves, they would give it to the Lord as an offering. They would say, Lord, here is this offering. And this was given, their first crops ripened before the main harvest, would be given as an act of worship. And that's why we call our offering, our giving of our financial gifts to the church, to the Lord, is an offering like that. And in the New Testament, these words, first fruit, are used of Christ's resurrection guaranteeing our resurrection he is the first fruits of this life that god has given us god spoke and the first creation took place in genesis and he has spoken again and now a new creation in us believers has happened and this is this great salvation Christians are the new creation of God. And as God's harvest, we become a special part of His creation. We are the first fruits. 
We are no longer separated by God. We are His children, Romans chapter 8, and we are the first fruits of God. This is a great passage here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So God is good. And His essence is good. And He's a giving God. And He is unchanging. And the greatest gift that we have is this new life in Christ. Our great salvation. Here's a phrase I say all the time. How could we not praise Him forever, right? How could we not say, alright, let's just stay here for a couple hours, put the YouTube songs on. They do that at youth group once in a while. I know Pastor Tony has the songs playing, and they just start praising, and just they just go all, you know, not all night, but they just go and just pring, sing praise songs. Let me get to the application here. Why do we need to be reminded about the goodness of God? This is so important. We often need to be reminded of the goodness of God. Let me give an example. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you in this last year, we'll even include just this, the last of 2021 and into 2020, how many in the last year and a half have cried? I'm going to raise both hands. Right? In that, you must know the goodness of God. You must know the goodness of God. Let me just give you a little side note also here. This book came out, I think, in 91 or something like that. I was in just, yeah, in college and getting into seminary. Experiencing God by Blackaby. Anybody ever hear of this book? Okay, just a few of you. This is a great book to understand the beauty of knowing God in a, such a powerful way. So I encourage you, yeah, there's a picture of that there. Get this book. It's uh, in fact, if you go to like a thrift store, I'm sure this could be on the shelf there. Experiencing God by Blackaby. It's a great resource to have. Let me give you a few reasons of why we need to be reminded of the goodness of God. There's no surprise here. But in doing this, I want you to go to Romans chapter what? 8. Romans chapter 8. And I think, I think through all of this, I'm going to keep referring to this verse. Now, this is a verse that is one of the most famous verses. And sometimes I believe it's taken out of context. And this is not a verse. If I get a phone call, let's say someone in church or someone in the community, someone's died, they passed away, I show up in my car, everyone's crying. Even though this verse is totally true, totally good, that moment, I will not read this verse. Because unfortunately, some people just kind of pull this out kind of like as a Christian band-aid. And it's maybe been abused. But listen, tonight, I want you to come become intimate with this verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. All things, look at me, all things work for the good of those who love Him and have 
been called according to his purpose. And we'll read a couple verses later here and one of my points here and more of the verse that follow. All things. Again, this isn't a verse I show up when people are crying, oh, don't worry, everybody. This will all turn out for good. Yeah, it's true, but that's not the time to do that. In fact, in that first 24 hours, often it's not a time for words. It's just a time for tears. Why do we need to be reminded of the goodness of God? Number one, we need to know and believe and firmly experience assurance that God is good. God will always be good. God will always be good. His character does not change. He will continually be the giver of all good things. And we can be confident that He will provide good things for us according to His perfect plan. Even though life is rough, we must always know and have the assurance God is good. We can have assurance that every single thing God gives us is good and perfect for us. But what about this? Let me give you three things here. I'm going to show you a picture. I'm sure most of you know who Dean... Anybody know who Dean Valentine in our church is? We all know who he is. Recently, Dean's dad got the news that he had stage 4 cancer. And Dean's dad has 6 to 8 months left to live. And Dean just today left to Marshall, Minnesota to be with his dad for a week. Is God still good? Someone in our church recently lost their home. Tough, hard, horrible. It was a hard day, a hard week. They lost their home. Is God still good? My sins keep me trapped. You might be thinking of last week's sermon and you might just be like, oh, I just feel overwhelmed by sin. And you're caught in the trap. Is God still good? Here it is. God is always totally good. Never forget that. God is always totally good. Goodness is not just what He does. It is who He is. You get that? It's not just what He does. It is who He is. God is always totally good. And in that, He never changes. That's what James does. This is why in confidence we can have assurance that God is good. As much as I hate broken relationships, I hate divorce, I hate cancer, I cry with Dean. As hard as the trials may come my way, I hate that I can fall into sin. No matter how different the outcome is from what I prayed for, I must always remember God is good. In the worst moments of my life, God is with us. He is always with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And His character does not change. He does not falter. He has not left you. He has a love that will not let us go. 
I may not get up what I want in prayer. I may not get what I want in life. But in His goodness, He always gives me what is best for His glory. In times of trials and suffering, if we turn to self-reliance, we will begin the terrible, destructive cycle of sin, entrapment, remember that bondage, slavery, deceit, and tragic death. That was last week. Or, we can turn to God. And we are choosing His good care and believing it and having assurance in this. Knowing, and we know, look at your Bibles, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So in this, always have assurance God is good. Number two, trust God's goodness during hardship. Trust His goodness during hardship. And even looking out here, I know a lot of you very personally. I know some of the hardships that you've gone through, through your families, through, through finances, through your jobs, through just different things. I know it's tough, but always turn to God's goodness during hardship. We can depend on the unchanging goodness of God. Truly, He is the one that we can count on. Like as parents, we want what is best for our children. We want to give them what is best, what is good. How much more does our Heavenly Father want to give you good things? Trust Him in that. We can trust that every individual perfect gift God will send is at His perfect right time. Not at my right time, because I want X, Y, and Z. Instead, He does it at the right time for His glory according to His will. Again, Romans, listen to this, Romans 8. I'm going to read a couple more verses or read along with me here. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. For those who God foreknew, He also predestined to be... Why all those big theological words? Listen to this. Foreknowledge, predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. The purpose right now in our life, and this is what we talked about in James, the first part, the goal is spiritual maturity. The goal is that we would be more and more like Christ, conformed to the image of Christ. That He, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Trials mold us into His image. That's what James talked about in that first part. Trust God's goodness during hardship. God is working in and through all things for the good so we can rely on Him. He is trustworthy. Here's something I wrote down and I thought through this a lot. We must, and think of trials. Think of suffering. Think of why you've cried this past year. We must seek to frame our understanding of suffering by the character of God. Don't frame your understanding of trials and temptation and suffering through that circumstance or that whatever you're facing. Frame and understand our suffering by the character of God. He's good. 
He is the giver of all things. He is unchanging. Third, growth into maturity. This is why we need to know the goodness of God. A great way to avoid temptation is to know that God is good. Last week we talked about the tactics of freedom. And one of the great tactics of freedom is to know that God loves you. And He loves to give good gifts that are far better than the fleeting pleasures of sin. Don't fall into the entrapments of sin. They seem really nice at first, but they will destroy you. God has such good things for you. There are times that good good can come out of adversity and hardship. For God uses these trials to produce what He considers good. Again, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Who have been called according to His purpose. Both the process of suffering and trials, James chapter 1, 2 through 8, or 13, the result is spiritual maturity. Verse 4, we, we spent time talking about it. And that those are perfect for us in those trials. This doesn't mean that life will be pleasant. This doesn't mean you're going to be free from any bumps and bruises. This doesn't mean you will not cry. Often life is accompanied by pain and hardship. But they can be for the good for us as the result is spiritual maturity. Listen to this verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. How many of you enjoyed getting spanked when you were a kid? I got spanked. Maybe you never got spanked. How many got spanked as a kid? Okay, we're older in this group. Absolutely, right? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. Oh, this is a great verse. And peace for those who have been trained by it. God gives good gifts, encouragement, perseverance, endurance, so that we can become mature. And that's what this whole section is about. Fourth, reflecting on His goodness allows us to do goodness to others. When you come to know God in Christ, and experience His goodness, or taste and see that the Lord is good, we can then come to understand that true goodness, what it is, and live those out and how to do good things towards others. And Jesus is the perfect role model for us. How He treated others around Him. He's the perfect model to teach us about goodness and how to do good to others. So here's my little line. Be an agent of God's goodness to all people. At first I just had, be be an agent of God's goodness. Then I was like, "Uh uh-uh. To all people. Even those who dislike you. Even those who hurt you. Even those who persecute you, mock you, rob from you. Do goodness to all people. We can have goodness in us through God, and even a desire to do good. And that comes from God. 
I try to do that even with my family, right? How can we care for people around us? So we have a neighbor, a widow, and we're thinking, what are creative ways that we can show goodness to her? She's never stepped in our church yet. We find ways to do goodness to her and her family. The last one, here it is. To praise Him. The purpose of God's goodness is to draw us to Him and proclaim His goodness. Through His goodness, we have been given the great opportunity to hear the Gospel and have eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And everything God does is for our good. And God's goodness is a given in a personal way to each of us. Life-sustaining provisions like food, the sun, simple air that we breathe, even hardships because, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. For those who God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Praise Him. Proclaim and often sing of the goodness of God. So in closing... Grab your little card out. Here's what I would love you to do this week. Maybe tonight. I want you to, in fact, I just wrote a few. I could fill up. In fact, I thought about getting all of us notebooks. Because <laughs> we, we should be able to fill a notebook full of what God has been so good to us, right? I encourage you this week, write down, oh, His goodness, I've seen it here. Oh, His goodness here. Oh, this. And don't primarily look at ma- material things. Because those rust, spoil, and fade. Here's a few things I wrote down. Number one, salvation. I am so unworthy. If you think you're worthy for salvation, we need to have a talk, right? I am so unworthy for this great salvation that He's given to us. And under that, I also wrote, I put salvation, I'm not worthy, but also salvation, I'm called to declare that among the nations. What kind of a good God would save me, rescue me, and then say, guess what? I want you to be an agent of God's goodness, my goodness, to those around us. Here's another thing I wrote down. My staff. I am so blessed here at Maranatha to have an unbelievable staff I work with. The three other pastors. Pastor Eric. If it wasn't for Pastor Eric, I wouldn't be able to do the kind of sermons I do. Because he's the one that answers phones. He's the one that, that does a lot of stuff that I am unable to do because I'm busy that day working on my sermon. Someone comes in, if they just want to talk to a pastor... Eric will spend hours with them. Which I love to do, trust me. He does so much for us behind the scenes. Pastor Tony, we hands down have the greatest youth pastor in this whole area. State, I'll just say state because he's from Minnesota. He'd probably want to think Minnesota's greater. No, he doesn't. But we hands, those of you who have kids, you know, hands down, we have an amazing Youth pastor and Pastor Aaron loves us so much. You know that on Pastor Aaron's our children's pastor. Do you know where he is on Thursday mornings on his day off? 
He's at the fam. Uh, what fam- What restaurant is it? Or Nancy's restaurant? I don't know what. what re- Maxine's with all the older crew at seven in the morning. Even though he's our children's, but he's hanging out with all the old folk. I love that. And then our two secretaries, Carmen and Stacy. We are so. I am so blessed to have an amazing staff that we have friendships. We have care for one another. I am. That has to be on my list. Church finances. Let me say this. There are many churches through this COVID stuff. They have had to close doors. They're just opening up now. Can you imagine? In fact, there's one church in this area that just a couple weeks ago is their first meeting in person. Through this, a lot of churches had to close because of churches survive on financial giving. Let me just say this about our church. We have never gone below our projected budget. In fact, right now we are a month ahead of our budget. Every day as your pastor, I pause and go, thank you, Lord, that we have givers like you that care for this church, care for the mission of God, and are excited about Maranatha, that finances, God has blessed you. That doesn't mean just because you have a lot of money, God has blessed you. No, that's not the case. God has been so faithful through us. Amen? Let me just say, when I wrote this down, meals. I like food. But I encourage you as families, I encourage you, if you're able to, Pray before your meal. Some of you have busy lives. Some of you don't have meals together. Try to do a meal once in a while. And I encourage you, parents and grandparents, teach your kids to pause and just don't go, oh, we thank you for this food and uh, you know, say a bunch of stuff. Pause and go, God, you are so good to us. And at that meal time, think and pray about the goodness of God. Just two more things here. I'm grateful for the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, it's amazing. It goes through, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, about the Spirit and the flesh. They battle against each other. They're in contrast to each other. Don't give in to the flesh. Turn to the Spirit. And then he gives this list of all these kind of things that are just of the flesh. And then he talks about the, 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 the things of the Spirit are contrary to that. And then he begins with this list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. I'm so glad that the Lord has allowed us to live out the fruit of the Spirit. My last one is this. Fill your mind with His Word. The goodness. In fact, write this down, maybe on the back of your sheet. Psalm 34. Psalm 91. Psalm 103. Psalm 106. Again, Psalm 34. Psalm 103. Psalm 91. Psalm 136. Ephesians chapter 1, 3-14. through 14. Praise be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then Romans 8. Fill your mind with God's goodness. And lastly, the worship team can come up. Fill your mind with songs. Three songs I have. Twyla Paris, You Have Been Good. You have been faithful to all generations. That used to be the Cargus family song when our first two were born. I was like, this is the Cargus family song. Twilight Paris, you have been good. You have been faithful to all generations. I just pounded in our family and then I forgot about it. So I'm going to play it again for my family often. 
or Michael Kelly Blanchard. Great is the Lord God and greatly to be praised. And then recently, a modern song that's come out, The Goodness of God. Fill out this card. Remind yourself of the goodness of God. Stand and let's sing these last few songs.